radioinfluence.com. Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10 12 60 with your questions, comments, or smart ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. So glad you're joining us today. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Today is a very special show as we kick off a special series called The Brain Game. We're digging down deep, trying to get a better understanding of what brain performance is all about. Heck, how do you define the brain? And we're going to be talking with experts from all walks of life and all areas of human performance to decide whether the brain should be one of the top priorities in human performance. If you want to get in touch with us with your questions, comments, or smart remarks, reach out for sure. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crushperformance is the email. On Twitter, follow me at Jeff Crush. And on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, search out Crush Performance and we'll hook you up there as well. We'll be posting a poll coming up on Twitter and Facebook, everywhere we can. Uh, LinkedIn possibly as well. And it's simply going to ask you guys what you think about the brain and where it should be placed in terms of the hierarchy for human performance. Should it be one of the top priorities, one of those foundations that drives all other areas of human performance? Or should it sort of be something we address after we have the table set? Once we have our program in order, once we're organized and ready to attack human performance in the short term and the long term, is that when we attack brain and brain performance? And then not only that, what in the world is brain performance? This is a very, very interesting and deep conversation. It's something we've been discussing for over, well over a year now. It's something that's sort of been in our sights probably for the last maybe eight or nine years. Ten years ago, we started really, really evaluating, reevaluating our approach to human performance. Ten years ago, we had three top priorities. Being a strength coach at the highest level of sport with the Blue Jays, you know, working in the NHL and pro football, working with Olympic athletes, you know, being a, a physiology guy, an applied physiology guy, strength and conditioning a, co- a coach. My perspective was a little different even 10 years ago. You know, I was more focused on, okay, how do we make our athletes stronger? How do we make them faster, more powerful? How do we build them so they can really, really increase their coachability? allowing the coaches and the technical tactical side of their game to prosper and grow. That was sort of the mindset 10 years ago. And though we had incredible success because uh, that has to be taken care of. If you're truly going to tap into your potential, that has to be taken care of. You have to be prepared. You have to be well-rounded. You have to be this word that we're using now, robust. You have to be adaptable. You have to be coachable. How do you give the coaches, the technical coaches on an, in an organization or on a team adaptable players. Well, listen, everybody in every single sporting organization on this planet is limited by the physical abilities of their players. At least that was our mindset back then. And as true as that is, oh boy, there's layers. There's layers to this cake. There's layers to this onion. (laughs) And when we peel them away, that is certainly a big part of it. The physical preparation side, not just for human performance, but also for injury prevention. Let's get that straight. 
Okay, but we're kind of at a biological ceiling right now. We're at a point where we really truly understand this stuff almost to perfection. There's not a lot more to be learned about the physical side of human preparation. We understand the muscle. We understand the nervous system. We understand the connective tissue. We understand the, the skeleton. So where does the greatest potential lie moving forward for pushing human performance to new levels? Well, in the crush performance world, and I can only speak for us, and that's why we want to hear from everybody. This is a conversation I've had with experts from every sport at the highest level of sport, at the lowest levels of grassroots development, where it's even maybe more important because we know that development across the board is a long game. If we don't start off on the right foot, boy, we've got a steep and, 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 and harsh mountain to climb. And we're sometimes making that path way harder than it should be. So that gets us back to our conversation. Now, it's layered. What's this new layer that we're looking at? We've got the physical side down. We've got the technical, tactical side down. We understand talent development. We understand environments quite well as well. That's a big, big piece of the puzzle. Not just the physical individual side, but now what environment is that individual in? And how do we keep that individual progressing inside of an environment? How do we adjust the environment for the individual? And if it's a team sport, for the individuals on the team. If you truly want to tap into human potential, team potential, individual potential, this stuff has to happen. And there's a lot of good things going on out there. But I still think we're missing the boat in a, in a lot of areas. And, and one, of the, one of the areas of greatest potential, in our opinion, getting back to that, is the area of the brain and brain performance. Do we truly understand what brain performance is? Has anybody really defined it? And if so, what is it? And how do we train it? How do we tap into that side of human performance to make sure we're ready to roll? And then when all that's said and done, where does the brain line up in terms of the priorities for human performance? 10 years ago, we had three priorities. Okay, and it was nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion around your joints, and movement. Those three things were the focus of our, our, our physiology side, our strength and conditioning side. That was our mindset back in the day. And honestly, in our world, those were the three most important things. Then I started meeting some special people. Okay, and back in university, just to give you guys a little background on me, back in university, um, I was in the kinesiology department. I went in to be a phys ed teacher, loved sport. You know, wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I came from a small farming town. So I didn't have a big frame of reference as to what this big world had in store or what it could provide. But when I wound up at the University of Calgary, which is an Olympic training center, my eyes were open to things I could never have imagined. And my path quickly changed directions as I started working with elite athletes and, you know, playing sports at that level too. You know, you get to a big city like Calgary. I come from a small farm town in Northern Alberta, get to the big city and sport. Now you're at a national training center, varsity sports, pro sports everywhere. Boy, what a game changer. Our profs, my profs were spectacular as well. Thanks to every prof that I had that shone light uh, on, on new areas of this big world of human performance. And I quickly went from education to applied physiology, focused on physiology and strength and conditioning and human adaptation to psychology. You know, I, I took every single psychology course I could without actually having to go into the faculty of psychology, which is kind of a bummer for me because I had three or four 
senior options left that I wanted to fill with psychology courses, but I couldn't because I wasn't in the faculty. I tapped out the well of psychology um, classes over the course of my career, but what a fascinating area for me. So I've always had an interest in this area, but now after talking to and being around all these great people through my career, and it kind of started with my time as the head strength and conditioning coach with the Toronto Blue Jays. When JP Ricciardi took over as the GM, they they brought in um, this performance coach. His name was Harvey Dorfman. Oh boy. Harvey, if you go back and listen to our specials with the late and great Harvey Dorfman, who probably was one of the top pioneers in sports psychology and the mental game of human performance. Uh, I was able to spend many, many years working right alongside Harvey Dorfman, one of the greats. And, and that really changed my perspective in terms of what the mental side of human performance was all about. And then, of course, you get into the biochemistry side, the nutrition side. And then you start understanding brain energetics and the fact that if you're not fueling that sucker properly, you're not operating at your highest level. It is not possible. So our three priorities, nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion, and movement changed to four priorities. And the new addition and the new number one priority became rest, recovery, and sleep. Because we quickly understood, and even 10 years ago, we knew this for sure. It just, you know, we weren't quite thinking along these lines yet. But we know that sleep is probably the number one, no, not probably, AXAT, reverse the tape. Sleep is the number one priority for human performance. Okay, right now in our hierarchy, it is sleep, rest, and recovery. Every program for every athlete and organization that we build is constructed around the amount and the quality of rest and recovery an athlete can get. Keep that in mind because we are so backwards when it comes to this, especially at the developmental ages. We are overscheduling, overcompeting. We are jam packing these schedules for these young athletes and with little or no regard to rest and recovery. And rest and recovery isn't just about downtime. It's about matching the rest and recovery with the type of work, the intensity, volume, and type of work you're doing. Different intensities, different volumes, and different types of work require different strategies for recovery, but also different lengths of recovery time. And if you don't understand this, well, we're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. Because if we look at the landscape out there right now in sport, isn't it interesting that injuries are on the rise at every single level of sport? We're getting a better understanding now. I think we're coming to a strong consensus as to why this is happening with all of the resources, all of the knowledge and everything that we have at our disposal, how is it possible that injuries continue to rise? We're just not following the fundamental rules of human development with the greatest of intentions. We're trying to push that envelope. We're trying to rush things along. And you know when those great philosophers say, less is more? Oh boy, we should be listening more closely to the ones that say, less is more. It's not the fact that perfect practice makes perfect, because we know that's not true, because nothing's ever perfect. But strategic, smart practice, structured, deliberate practice, that's where the difference is going to lie if we are rested, recovered, and ready for work. Now, today's conversation, do we add the brain to the top priorities in human performance? That is the question, ladies and gentlemen, and your feedback is going to guide 
the next series of shows. We are kicking off a series called The Brain Game Today. I'm so glad you guys are here. I really, truly am. And I really would be happy if you guys could give us your feedback. Write to us. Info at Crush Performance is our email. We answer every single question. We're going to be putting a poll on our Twitter account, at Jeff Crush, and also on our uh, Facebook page, Crush Performance. And it's simply going to ask, do you believe the brain should be one of the top priorities, one of the first and foremost areas of attack if we're truly going to push human performance forward? And then comments are welcome, of course. Have you had an experience? Have you met somebody who's taught you a mindfulness drill? Or um, have you met with a sports psychologist who changed your life? Or have you become aware of something that's really given you an approach that you need to tap into and, and really push your, your performance forward? Let us know. And, and if you have questions, we'll get those answers. There's no script for the upcoming weeks. I don't know if this series is going to be two shows or 10 shows, but I will say this. We're going to keep digging and we've got, uh, we've got messages out to some of the top people in the world as we try to decide, should the brain be one of the top perform, uh, priorities in performance? And if so, where does it lie? Is it number one? Does it, become, does it come before sleep and rest and recovery? Or does it come after? Does it come before or after nutrition and hydration? Is it maybe number five? Once we have posture set up and range of motion, once we know our athletes are functioning properly and we're teaching them to move, then is that when brain performance really, really kicks in? Or is it part of that puzzle? These are the questions we're looking to answer here over the next few weeks. And again, your comments are going to be tremendously important as it's really going to steer how this conversations go. If you have somebody you'd like us to interview on the show, if you want to be interviewed on the show, if you got an experience, let us know. Again, you know, we have dedicated segments, entire episodes to some of the emails you guys have sent in. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a great relationship that we have. You know, we kind of challenge ourselves to help everybody think about things you might not think about just because we're lucky enough. And I have personally been lucky enough to operate in the world of high performance sport and get to know some incredible people. We're sharing that. But, you know, you guys have had experiences we can never imagine. So if you have something to contribute, listen, it certainly will steer this discussion. I'll tell you that right now. So, so please do write to us again. Uh, info crush performance is the email. All right, let's get to it. Right after this, we're going to kick off our special series called the brain game with a crush favorite. One of the people who's really steered our thinking in this area and somebody who's really, really contributing to the world of human performance in a large, large way. It'll be crush favorite, Dr. Martin Morazic, clinical neuropsychologist and professor and the chair of the undergraduate studies in the Department of Psychology at the U of A. He's going to come up after the break talking about his experiences in this area, and we're going to challenge him with the question, should the brain be one of the top priorities in human performance. Stick around, everybody. We've got a great conversation coming up with Crush favorite Dr. Martin Morazic right after this on Crush Performance. You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Thanks for sticking around over the break. I'm glad you did because we are about to kick off our series called The Brain Game in grandiose fashion. If you want to get in touch with us, please do so. Reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email. 
Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Check out Crush Performance and we'll hook you up with the world of performance. Well, hey, by the way, yes, please do check out our Twitter account, uh, Jeff Crush. You can also look at Crush Performance and on Facebook, search out Crush Performance. Hey, go to our poll. Our poll question for the next few weeks is going to be about this very question, the brain. Where does it rank in terms of human performance and as a priority in the foundation of building a platform where people can truly tap into their potential? So there will be a poll there on Twitter and on our Facebook that is simply going to ask, should the brain be one of the top priorities for pushing human performance forward. A simple yes and a no. And if you want to leave a comment, please do. Where do you think it should lie? Should it be in the top four? Should it be number five? Should it be number one? Should it come after sleep, rest, and recovery? We're not sure yet. We're going to get down to the bottom of it. And that's what this series, The Brain Game, is all about. A special look at the brain in relationship to human performance. And as I mentioned, we're kicking it off in grandiose style. One of the people who have really helped form our opinion and our understanding of the brain and how it works in terms of human performance has been our next guest. Crush favorite, Dr. Martin Mrazek. He is a clinical neuropsychologist and professor and the chair of the undergraduate studies in the Department of Psychology at the University of Alberta. Dr. Mrazek, welcome to the Crush Brain Game. So glad you can make it. Thanks, Jeff. Good to be here. Well, so glad to have you on as we kick off this incredible endeavor we're calling the brain game, Dr. Mrazek. Now, we're trying to look at the brain in terms of human performance, and it is a rabbit's hole. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. But we are looking at the crushed top priorities of performance. And for the longest time, uh, it has been uh, four major priorities that we feel we needed to address to help our athletes really, really prosper and tap into their potential. Rest, recovery, and sleep was number one. Nutrition, hydration, number two. Posture, functional range of motion, injury prevention, kind of number three. And then teaching athletes to move before we attack everything else. Now, over the last few years, and uh, our conversations with you are a major, major reason we're having this conversation. Now, should the brain be considered one of the first and foremost top priorities if we're truly going to tap into human performance. And uh, we're putting together a series with experts from all around the world, and we're kicking it off with, of course, you, a crush favorite. And so welcome to the brain game, Dr. Mrazek. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Uh, as, as you know, we've we've had some pretty, I think, important and good discussions when we think of how you know if we want to evolve and become better at sports performance. What are the directions you want to go? What are the steps you have to take? It's not just a matter of doing something and and you know practicing that skill over and over. It's really thinking through these processes and and uh, things have evolved and there's certainly much more availability of, of all kinds of resources. But sifting through that and making sure that uh, Everything is headed in the direction and, you know, I guess I would be a little biased, but I agree that focusing on the brain and really understanding what it can do uh, allows, uh, you know, the athlete and everybody involved with the athlete to, to move them forward, I think, beyond the limits that, uh, that are often set. Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, I'm really interested, you know, over the last maybe even 10 years to see how much um, the work being done on brain injury and sport concussions and return to play concussion management, and not just in sport, but outside of sport as well, 
has really shed a light uh, and an area of, of knowledge on the brain that maybe we didn't have before. And, and of course, that's an area uh, that you're incredibly involved in and one of the um, uh, experts in when it comes to sports and sport concussions and return to play. How much do you think that's contributed to where we at, we're at right now and our understanding of the brain and how it works? Yeah, I, I think it's been uh, really interesting just to observe that uh, in the over 20 years that I've had the fortune of, of working in this area. And I think probably some of the unintended consequences were when you study the brain, uh, you start to realize what happens when things go wrong, but then also when things are going right and when people are making better recoveries than others, uh, especially for me, uh, watching them in the area of sport concussion, and then starting to try to understand, well, what is it about that and how does that make sense in terms of what we know about the brain, what we know about the people that are, are trying to get their brains better or recovered, and then how that uh, seems to have a positive impact on overall outcomes. So yeah, it certainly has opened up, uh, I think, a, a lot of opportunities for us to really think about these things. And uh, initially, we, we didn't have the intent to say, well, how does this trend into human performance? But uh, learning a lot about the brain and how the brain recovers has also given us insights into how we can also move the needle into uh, human performance. Yeah, no, I like this. And, you know, one of the things that's really interested me is some of the work that I've collaborated with you and the good people there at the U of A, looking at our youth and concussions at certain ages and brain injuries at certain ages, and then really understanding the developmental state of the brain as athletes mature and progress and and um, how, how different the brain can be through these phases of development. And when we look at our long-term development strategies for sport, there was a lot of parallels there that I've just never seen before. And, you know, of course, when we look at the physical side of training, Dr. Morazic, you know, we look at the uh, strength, speed, power. We've got a really good understanding of how to stimulate the body to make those changes when it comes to skill acquisition, technical, tactical work. I believe we have a good idea there. And I really do believe that our understanding of how the brain works and how to maybe even train the brain now is is going to really open up doors to human performance that we've never been able to open before. Uh, but for me personally, working alongside you and some of the good people uh, who've been looking at concussions at the different age groups and some of the research doing done in youth football and youth hockey has really opened my eyes to the long game of brain development as well. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I mean, when you think of uh, those adolescent years and, and again, as, as ad adolescents are really trending up in terms of seeing their physical bodies develop and their psychological functioning uh, develop, just the complexity of the brain and how uh, still, even in the early adolescent years, uh, the brain is not hardwired, especially in the frontal lobes of the brain. And that tells us that it's, it's very adaptable or it's more adaptable um, uh, and allows for the brain to respond uh, more quickly to environmental demands. And so as we understand those principles, it uh, makes you realize how important it is. And, you know, when we think of our own lives and habits that develop, they often have their roots and traces in our early adolescent years. And on the negative side of things, you know, early exposure to substances and substance abuse, uh, you know, predicts, uh, you know, more prolonged and complex difficulties with those things later on. And on the other side of that, good habits early on, 
as the young brain is maturing, uh, their reinforcement of specific brain pathways, uh, that whole process of, you know, becoming disciplined, establishing uh, structure in your life, all those things affect the brain and change the brain. And those are the habits that as you build the brain uh, during those adolescent years can really lay important foundations uh, for, for your, your uh, later career. We're talking with crush favorite, Dr. Martin Mrazek, clinical neuropsychologist and professor at the University of Alberta. Well, I, the, the long game has always interested me. And then as we go through the, you know, the different phases of development and maturity, um, you know, this is one of the things that got me thinking about, you know, where exactly does the brain fall in terms of priorities for human performance. And you know that old saying, all roads lead to Rome? <laughs> well, I think I've finally come to the decision and I don't know why. Maybe it's because I've just been so immersed in the world of applied physiology and strength and conditioning for so long that our priorities, you know, when it comes to performance on the field and the urgency of performance at the highest level of sport and professional sport uh, really requires, you know, really strong um, um, physical uh, outputs in terms of performance. But, but now that maybe because I'm maturing and, and maybe, maybe my brain's advancing as well. Um, but all these discussions, as you mentioned, you know, the state of the brain, uh, the things that we've learned through injury prevention and, 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 and uh, managing sport concussions, um, all roads lead to Rome. But it seems to me right now, all roads lead to the brain when it comes to not just uh, mental performance and psychology has always been a passion of mine, but also for physical performance as well. It's just really tied together. Yeah, it sure is. And, you know, I think when we think of what differentiates uh, athletes at different levels uh, in terms of uh, skill development, in terms of, uh, you know, how they progress into elite uh, sports areas, uh, we, we do recognize that uh, for some athletes, the psychological components uh, are critical uh, in terms of them being able to think at the next level, to be able to adapt at the next level, and how much, uh, you know, a, a poorer a mental outlook, a psychological profile can actually, you know, be harmful and, 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 you know, create difficulties for individuals and really stop them from being able to uh, realize their potential. Uh, so I, you know, I, as, as we've talked about many times, I certainly agree that understanding some of the variables that are just key uh, to unlocking your performance. When you think of your own habits and what you, uh, what people do in order to get themselves better, I would bet that most people would tell you that, you know, they're pretty good at establishing a work workout schedule. They're pretty good at knowing what the physical things are, but I'm sure people are less aware of the mental areas that they have to work on and how do you do that and it does one size fit all or what what are the specific steps that an individual has to do and if we think of an uh, athlete setting up a schedule where uh, every every day they're working on some mental part of their game uh, you know how productive that can be and certainly we've seen some of the top athletes talk about uh, the importance of mindfulness and how they use those strategies in order to really get their minds and brains in a good state uh, for their performance. Yeah. And it's interesting to see how powerful that can really be. And I wonder, you know, we talk about even the approach with concussions here and how far we've come in the last few years, just in awareness, but also now um, athletes more willing to talk about symptoms and more, uh, I guess, uh, forthcoming in terms of, you know, managing them properly. Do you think where we're at in terms of brain and brain performance in sport and beyond? I mean, we talk about our military or our first responders or even like, 
like our truck drivers or people on the highway, you know, in a fatigue state or, you know, when you're high alert, there's applications for the, wherever there's humans, I guess there, there's applications here. But do you think that what you mentioned there, you know, the physical side and planning, those are things we talk about all the time. We don't talk a lot about the brain. Do you think it's still a little mysterious for everybody? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's very mysterious. And, you know, the, the brain is a very complex piece of equipment. And any given day, you you know, you can be mentally sharp. You can you cannot be mentally sharp. Sometimes you prepare or you over prepare. And I think that's the challenge is, is when you're dealing with such complexities, uh, people want to find, well, if I only do this, this and this, then I'm going to be successful. And that's just simply not the, the way it works because because of the complexities of the brain and fatigue and nutrition and hydration and all those things that you've talked about many times. And so I think there's always a quest to say, well, if I do this, I want to be successful. And it's, it's just not, not that easy. What I do believe, uh, Jeff, is that being committed to the process of learning. And that's where the, I think the whole uh, field of mindfulness uh, has, has been very helpful is that in a state of relaxation, in a state of mindfulness, that's where we can actually advance and understand a little bit more of what we need to move forward. But if we don't take that time to spend on relaxation if we don't time to take time to spend uh, thinking through things and that's quite a concept what does it mean to think through things um, when we take the time to really focus on that I, I think it really uh, opens our ability to understand again what's helping us what's moving us forward and what are some of the barriers that seem to be slowing us down so if you want to be successful yeah you're going to apply principles they're not always going to work and you know we're not always going to be a top performer but in general you're using that to build uh, yourself and your mindset so you can be prepared uh, for more things at the next level well, we're talking with Dr. Martin Morazic, professor and chair of undergraduate studies in the Department of Psychology at the University of Alberta. That is such an important concept. You know, you talked about, I think, some really, really important words, mindfulness and uh, awareness as well in mindset. These things are huge, huge uh, topics when we talk about brain and brain performance. And, you know, I think some of that gets maybe lost in the umbrella of psychology, because uh, these are things that people can practice and work on just like any other skill set we would see in sport. For sure. And, you know, there's been some really great research. Uh, Andrew Huberman and his uh, research team in Stanford uh, have done some some really remarkable work at looking at brain states and talking about the importance that there's two these two brain chemicals, uh, adrenaline and then acetylcholine, and um, you know you need to be in a in a uh, slightly uh, uh, anxious but not in a bad way, but a, a kind of prepared ready state, and uh, that's really necessary for you to to perform and think well. And then the other thing is is that in that kind of aroused state. Uh, to really uh, invoke acetylcholine, which is a learning chemical in the brain, and that requires focused attention. So really being able to avoid distraction, think about what you're doing, and the combination of those two things uh, lead to more productive uh, you know, behaviors. So it's not necessarily going out and practicing harder and longer. It's actually preparing your brain to be maximally ready for the, for the moment. And then afterwards, Huberman also talks about the importance of 
of allowing your brain to recover. And so, you know, uh, that's where mindfulness really helps that after you've had an intense lecture, after you've had an intense workout session, after you've had an intense time of learning, you actually need to allow your brain to absorb that information. And when you do that and you get yourself in these these uh, more calm states, it actually facilitates short-term memory and the important things that you've learned. And, uh, you know, again, recognizing those principles as they apply to athletic performance, I think has been very key for, for some athletes. Oh, and you are, you are preaching to the choir right there. You know, rest, recovery and sleep are our top priorities when it comes to program structure and program development. Unfortunately, it seems, you know, everybody with the greatest of intentions, we, we take a schedule and we just try to pack it so full and then we just um, um, neglect or don't even really consider the importance and the quality of, of our recovery time. And, and it really can work against us with the greatest of intentions. And the brain works in that exact same principle. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it sure is. And like you say, that's that's kind of what we're learning, how the brain works is is more is is often not better and sometimes less is better. And as you've talked about, you know, burnout rates and all these things, really, when we look at what some of the features are, is is there an embedded structure for people to recover? And sometimes it means that you have to take some time, more time away than you want. And yet, is that encouraged? Sometimes you need a break. Sometimes psychologically, uh, the best thing you can do is not to do something. And again, having, uh, you know, a structure in place, people in place that can really guide you through that process that you're disciplined, you do as much as you can, you're really pushing the envelope, but then also understanding how your brain is doing in terms of absorbing that information. And I think that's what we're really learning about is that those mental states uh, are really important, especially in youth development, uh, but also in the early adult phases of, of sports is how to combine those things. So yes, you are performing well, you are pushing your skill development, you're working as hard as you possibly can, but also not overworking yourself and giving your brain the time to really absorb uh, information, to really reflect on your learning and reflect on what's helping you. Oh, well, I know you're a basketball and a sports fan. So this sounds very, very familiar to some of the conversations that are sort of hitting the mainstream sporting news these last few years, especially revolving around Kawhi and the Raptors a few years ago before Kawhi moved on. They're talking about load management. And it's not that it's a new concept in all of sport. It's just that they went and really deliberately looked at the players schedules and they were actually planning volume and intensity of technical work and conditioning work and also probably the psychological side as well this rings true and and, and, and runs really parallel with our ideas on athlete management managing the mind as well what an important concept that is for sure. And I think that all the discussions about, you know, Kawhi and his load management and it came with its criticisms like, boy, you know, he's taken a lot of time off and is he helping the team and all that. But it, I think really raised the awareness to say, well, in some cases, this is an important thing to do. And I do think that, you know, OK, that's the elite levels of basketball. Uh, how is that be perceived for the young 15 year old that's trying to make a triple A team? And there are the, the emphasis is, well, no, you got to do more. You got to do more. You got to do more. 
more. And while I agree, we've learned a lot and you would know more than, than, than I would about that area. And yet the principle I think you're talking about is how do we learn smarter and how do we use what we know about the brain to, to really progress as fast as we can. And often that means not necessarily doing more. It actually means just truly reflecting, using these important brain principles like mindfulness uh, in a regular schedule uh, so that way we keep our minds as sharp as possible. We're talking with Dr. Martin Morazic, crush favorite, professor at the Department of Psychology at the University of Alberta. Well, one conversation in particular comes to mind, uh, Dr. Morazic, in our past conversations, and that was with the visit of Dr. Urban Johnson uh, from Halmstead University in Sweden. He came over to share ideas and collaborate and, and really just share information. And for me, that was a, a really important time in my understanding of brain performance and the power of planning and understanding, um, understanding uh, how important it is maybe to be aware. It comes back to that, that, that whole idea of just awareness. We talked about, you know, the hassle scores and the coping and not just how it influenced um, performance, but also the injury rates in athletes, which, which absolutely rocked my world at the time. Yeah, and he, he certainly, I think, has, has done a really a credible job of bringing the academic side uh, to the psychological piece that's involved in injury and injury recovery. And, you know, his focus was, look, a stressed athlete uh, is not going to be an athlete that's, uh, you know, or will be an athlete that's at more risk of, uh, of injury and also may take longer to recover. And so by providing targeted approaches uh, to address the mental component, especially the stress side of things, because, uh, you know, some athletes really carry a lot of stress. They think a lot of, uh, you know, they think stressful thoughts and it's really managing those things. And so he brought in a screening approach, which really looked at these variables, like you say, is how much stress is in your life and what are you doing uh, to cope with them? And what are the positive productive things and what are the negative productive things? And why don't we do this on, uh, in, you know, in a group activity and then comparing that to, you know, when athletes were not involved in those direct uh, targeted rehab activities and seeing uh, very profound outcomes. Uh, some of his meta-analytic studies have shown that of all the variance in injury uh, outcomes, uh, the psychological piece could account for almost 8%. And when you think of, well, all the things that we do physically to stop injuries, and yet, you know, 8% of the variance could be accounted for by psychological factors is quite profound. And and so that's why I think, like you said, I, I was uh, just really amazed at, to, to see of of how his research has really been very important and groundbreaking for addressing that component of how do we manage uh, the stressed athlete, how do uh, athletes deal with stress both before uh, they get injured and then after they get injured. Yeah. And for all of our listeners out there, you know, if we can decrease injury rates by one or 2%, that's an amazing feat. But when we look at nine, eight, nine percent um, and the potential uh, psychological issues or brain issues and from the broader picture uh, being responsible for that, that is a big, big number for everybody who who might just want to put that into context. 
Yeah, for sure. Like like you say, it's pretty staggering if we were to come in and say, well, I have a way to, to reduce 7% of the injuries in in the NHL. Uh, just think of the, the number of uh, injuries that would be in the man hours that are involved in, in recovery and so on. It, it is really uh, substantive. And, you know, that's why I think really thinking through those those principles and, and understanding them. And uh, again, what I liked about his approach is that it wasn't a one-size-fits-all. Like If you do this technique, it's going to work for you. It was really a matter of of screening athletes early on to say who is the most stressed athletes and among that group, you know, what are the, some of the things that you do that are, are not helpful? And then by providing targeted interventions for populations that may be at greater risk. Uh, because, you know, when it comes to the mental game, some people don't have a lot of these anxieties. They're able to keep themselves fairly cool. And so trying to add that into their training repertoire can actually not be all that helpful. But really understanding what how athletes respond and what's going through their minds at an individual level and then really developing or using these principles of mindfulness but allowing the athlete to think about them and use them in a way that's effective for them. Oh, that's a good point. Not just to pack it in there, just to pack it in there, but making sure it's actually serving a purpose. And I like the concept and the comment you just made about you know, adding in things that a person might not use can actually be counterproductive as well. So those screenings and that, identi- I guess, identifying maybe the higher risk or, or athletes that are at risk for this sort of an issue is really important. Yeah, and if you talk to many athletes, they'll tell you sometimes they have their best game when there was a lot going on the night before, and probably some of what helped was the fact that they weren't thinking about things too much. Now, obviously, as a sustained strategy, you uh, you, you can't do that too much, but it does speak to the power of how the mind needs to be in a good state of being in order to um, uh, you know be productive, and uh, you know making sure that there's that balance in your life and you know your pre-game uh, you know initial and all that, all the activities that you do, uh, you know, just really understanding the uh, how that helps you, how it doesn't help you, and how that can be productive. I, I think that's a commitment that you and I have talked about is the importance of when we talk about a mental game, it's really being uh, very, you know, uh, you know, planned and academic about using these principles in, a, in the most meaningful way possible, not just doing something like another skill development thing. Right. And that that makes a ton of sense. And if we look at the landscape right now, and this is a conversation that you and I have had many times here over the last few months with the sports shutdown, you know, we're talking about stress and anxiety and worry and how we respond to this sort of thing. This might be one of the most interesting times in, in recent history where we can actually look and maybe apply some of these things to help people cope. And if we look at our series, uh, um, Class C, the kids of covid we were really focusing on uh, high school seniors, um, college seniors, our young developing professionals in sport who are about to embark on on really sort of important times in in human development. Being a senior in high school, whether you're a drama student or an athlete or whether you're a, a science uh, um, student, you know, this is a pretty important time because you're sort of planning. It's a last step until you move forward onto the college or into the working world. And it's much similar for our, our college graduates. Um, and though the maturity might have a factor there, a little more mature and a little more worldly, but for our professional athletes as well, we've been discussing the impact of how high schools and, and grade schools are handling the COVID shutdown uh, with the cancellation of sports and extracurricular activities. This is a really really important time for this conversation, Dr. Morazic. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, my, my, uh, 
sympathies go out to all the athletes. I, I have two amazing daughters and I've had to watch them, you know, deal with their high school sports being shut down and, and how are they responding in terms of uh, their mentality. And so there's kind of two parts of that. One of it is just that checking in with our student athletes who are used to being very busy and how are they coping with that. Uh, but then the other point that you're talking about is, okay, well, how do you use this time productively? How do we adapt in a way that we really, uh, you know, when, when things slowly return to normal and hopefully that's soon, but when that happens, how can you be more ready and have, have used this time productively? And, uh, you know, I think all athletes at all levels have struggled with that. And yet we're seeing some really, you know, important things emerge about the importance of structure, the importance of goals, uh, the importance of staying connected, uh, the importance of regulating your sleep. It's just so much easier to get out of habits and good, uh, you know, uh, structure in your day when you don't have those things in place. And so just it reminds us that those things serve a very important purpose for us. And especially for young athletes, as they think of well, getting back to normal, it's going to mean really embracing some of these things that uh, we used to not think a whole lot about. Yeah. And it, it, it will change our perspective, you know, from the, from the mental standpoint, this is going to be interesting because I think my perspective personally, just me personally, my perspective with this shutdown, you know, I haven't been traveling nearly as much. And then my, my wife mentioned this to me um, just the other day. She said, you, you realize as we're sitting here, you know, uh, down to dinner with, with our, with our full family, my three daughters were home and everybody was here. She goes, this is the longest you've been at home since we've been married. And that's 25 years. This is the longest I have actually stayed at home in 25 years. And personally, I'm really, really enjoying it. I've been doing things that I that I haven't been able to do before. Um, it's really changed my perspective, uh, maybe even on the big picture, Dr. Morazic. Yeah, well, thankfully, we, we uh, both have great wives to remind us of, of the, the important things in life. But yeah, I, I think I hope there's been that awareness that for people that they really re-embrace uh, what that means to have a sit-down dinner and, and a casual conversation together without, hey, we have to run off to practice. Hey, we have a game right away. All those important variables. And I, I would agree that I think a lot of people are, are finding that's refreshing and, and uh, re-energizing them. Uh, now, too much of that, of course, has been, you know, the, the challenge and the stressor for, for individuals. Uh, but at the same point, I think really understanding how those core principles and again, as we talked about earlier, how that mindfulness, being very aware of the importance of just having times in our day when we're connecting with each other and not thinking about other things and how important that is for our brains to really uh, be able to absorb more information by, by doing less. So I, I certainly agree that it, it, it's been, you know, quite interesting and I'm sure you're listeners would probably have their own stories of, hey, this has been good for me in some ways. Yeah. And there's also all the stressors that go around with it and how we cope with that is kind of the conversation today. We're talking with clinical neuropsychologist, Dr. Martin Morazic. Well, Dr. Morazic, we have embarked and this is show number one, uh, interview number one in, uh, I'm not sure how many, as many as we need to figure out um, where the brain, the brain lies in terms of our priorities and our foundations for pushing human performance forward. I'm very adamant that the, the next real push for human performance lies in our understanding of the brain and our ability to train it and, and uh, program it over a long period of time to really tap into true potential. When you started in, in this area of studies back in, back in your school days, what interested you about this area and, and where has it come? What has been the most surprising developments that you've seen over your career so far? 
Thanks for going gentle with me when you sit back <laughs> in your school boom. years that we're referring to uh, centuries ago. Um, but uh, yeah, for me, uh, you know, again, I, I never uh, had the skill set or abilities to, to be at that elite athlete level. And yet, you know, in my own amateur way, I was always interested in, in how do you get better? And then as I trended into the area of uh, the neurosciences, we really began to see how you know, certain thought patterns and certain behaviors can be extremely helpful. And, you know, guided visualization was a big thing uh, when I was playing high school sports. And and now that we can actually look at technology and use technology to tell us how the brain is doing and just how how actually powerful a tool that is. So that was always something that was very interested, uh, interesting to me. And then when I looked at the athletes and, you know, within a few minutes of talking to an athlete who had just had a concussion and I was fortunate to be down an elite institution at the University of Georgia where they've had some very good football teams. And just just I remember very clearly how individuals would respond. And it would give you a sense of, you know, if there's a level of distress and, you know, what we call self-efficacy, which is the belief that you can use your tools in an effective way and how that played a role in recovery. And so it, it just really, um, you know, I, I guess my, my initial uh, observations were is that there's some athletes that have really, really embraced this or they seem to do it naturally. They don't have to take a lot of effort where others, uh, you know, that's where the learning curve is. And so for me, that was a very interesting process to see how really the, the mindset when approaching uh, the good things, but also the, the bad things, the injuries, when things come unexpected, how a mindset can help uh, you progress through those things uh, was was very fascinating. And then as, as, as I say, as technologies evolve, as we can do functional MRIs and EEGs and look at the brain uh, while we're having uh, you know, a person do some mental activities, uh, that's just really kind of confirmed what the sports psychologists were th- thinking uh, years ago. Isn't it fascinating what they, just through trial and error, figured out way back in the day in absence of technology? And one of the things that really excites me about brain and brain performance today is all of these new technologies that like you mentioned that are allowing us to really tap into the brain and do things that we haven't done before. But Oh my goodness, back in the day, those pioneers really, really were some sharp cookies, weren't they? Yeah, they really did have some some good insights into to human performance, um, and you know they didn't have the ability to broadcast it or or the technology necessarily to understand uh, everything that they were doing. And yet, you know, it's funny how these core principles of using your mind in a productive way, of rest and and not overstressing yourself, are certainly common themes uh, that uh, that you'll you'll see way back. Is that the very effective athletes found a way to tap into their potential? And, and then to understand how training techniques and so on and how that how they can push themselves and, and, and the, you know, the physical side of things. But really, the mental side of things was something that uh, really, I, I think, we, when we look back and see the importance of, of how people had to prepare and being in a state of preparation and now understanding more and more as, as this uh, whole area has evolved, how that can be just incredibly helpful at all levels of sport, not just the, the elite levels, but for young athletes as well. Oh, no, fantastic stuff. And it's so, so true, isn't it? And the more we can have conversations like this and get people thinking about this, because it's still fairly new in the big, broad spectrum of things, um, the better it's going to be for everybody. Dr. Morazic, we have challenged ourselves to define the brain and brain performance, which is turning out to be one heck of an endeavor. Um, But this conversation today has really, really shone some light in where we need to go and getting a better understanding of where the brain lies in terms of human performance and priorities and how critical it is for human success. 
Um, for you personally, we know you spent a, a lot of time working with the uh, complex concussion team and sport concussions and rehabilitation and the effect of brain injuries. Um, what's next for you and, and what do you foresee uh, that's exciting in the near future here? If there's anything you could share. I think there's a lot of exciting things uh, for sure. And uh, I think I've just been very fortunate to work with a, a great group of researchers from the U.S. Uh, with uh, uh, the Canadian Football League and universities in Canada and, and in the U.S. And I, I know they're in the process of, of doing some publication here. But I, I think it's really that whole uh, aspect of uh, purposeful activity uh, in preparation for the season and purposeful activity in terms of uh, injury recovery. And so specific to concussions, uh, you know, 12 years ago, go in 2008 or recommendations where don't do anything just you need cognitive rest and learning how that's kind of counterproductive uh, to uh, to how the brain and how athletes work and so now that we've adjusted that we're really moving that forward and and seeing that there's better ways uh, to uh, you know as we implement recovery strategies like sleep and nutrition and uh, habits and so on uh, how that's helpful not just for injury recovery uh, and recovery from concussions but in all aspects of performance Performance. So for me, I uh, you know we have a lot of data that we're still uh, thinking about and, and working on, and I think it's just uh, allowing us to really think a big picture by using large large scales of athletes, uh, and that's why these multi-site collaborative uh, studies across countries have been very helpful. So I'm definitely looking forward to exploring more of that, and then moving into more interventions of how we can do a better job of of uh, implementing things that we know work. Well, it sounds like we have your vote in terms of adding the brain to our top priorities for human performance. I guess now our task is, where does it lie? Does it lie as number one? Is it fit in before, after recovery and sleep? Does it fit in amongst or before, after nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion or movement? It's an interesting conversation that we have here, but this really sets the tone for this series coming up. Dr. Morazic, thank you so much for all your input and we'll look forward to uh, following up as, as we progress here. As always, thanks for having me. And there you go, everybody. Crush favorite, Dr. Martin Morazic from the U of A. Uh, what a fantastic conversation and an absolute perfect kickoff to our series, The Brain Game, as we try to dive down and get a better understanding of what the brain is all about when it comes to human performance, where are we at in our understanding of the brain and training the brain to improve and push potential and human performance forward. And most of all, should the brain be one of our top priorities when it comes to organizing and setting up our programs to tap into human potential? Should it be one of those foundational platforms that we address first and foremost, if we're truly going to find out how good somebody can become? Well, that is the ultimate question here. And if it is one of our top priorities, along with our other four that are written in stone right now, starting with rest, recovery, and sleep, nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion, and then teaching movements. After that, we attack everything else. But it's really, really difficult to become a great baseball player or volleyball player or swimmer if those first four are not already addressed. It's very, very difficult to become a great team player or a great individual athlete in golf or tennis or the individual sports, gymnastics, if those first four aren't already addressed. So does the brain deserve a seat at the table when it comes to our top priorities 
for human performance? That is the question. And boy, oh boy, did Dr. Morazic give us some stuff to think about. I mean, just think about the idea of mindfulness and awareness. Those two words alone are incredibly powerful in, in this discussion. We know that if you have the right ad attitude and if you're mindful of how you feel and where you're at and what you're doing, we know how powerful that is in sport. That's one minute, tiny aspect of brain performance. The other challenge we have for this series is figuring out how do we define the brain in terms of human performance? This is a massive, massive discussion because it's all encompassing. There are so many aspects to the brain and brain performance. Some of them we're just starting to understand right now. And not only that, and uh, Dr. Morazic mentioned it there towards the end of our discussion, the development of new technologies that are allowing us to see the brain and look at how the chemicals are responding. Look at which areas of the brain are active or hyperactive in certain circumstance and how, how to teach our athletes how to control those areas of the brain. Are you kidding me? We're not even close, in my humble opinion, to truly reaching human performance until this has worked into, into the schedule. Now, you know our conversations in terms of athlete development all revolve around and stem from the idea of the long game, the long game of human development. There are certain windows of opportunity in the development of a human being when it comes to sport and sport performance. And we know what those are and we know what has to happen in terms of the long-term athlete development program. But right alongside that is brain development. Oh my goodness. That's why we have really sat down here and decided to put together this series about the brain game. And again, I got to thank Dr. Morazic for starting us off here. What a great kickoff and so many conversations to have. If you go to our Twitter and our Facebook again, we'll be posting a poll and you can vote and please comment what you think. Where should the brain lie there? Why should the brain be a top priority or why shouldn't it be a top priority? Again, what are the foundational building blocks that we need to address right from the get-go that are going to allow our athletes to truly tap into their potential? What is it going to be? Well, if we look at sleep, for example, that's a human thing. We know if we're not getting enough sleep, not only do we not operate properly internally as a human beings, there is absolutely no way you can perform at the top of your game. It is not possible, period. And that's why sleep is our number one priority for human performance, because without that, it doesn't matter how well you eat. It doesn't matter how hydrated you are. It doesn't matter how great your posture is or your range of motion. It doesn't matter how much you practice and develop your skills. You will not be, you cannot be at the top of your game. And right alongside that is programming in rest, recovery, and sleep. Just below that, nutrition and hydration. You know, there's a point where nutrition and hydration, you could do everything right. But if you're not fueling your body and your brain properly, you're not at your best. You still might be good. You might be, you might be one of the best on the planet. And I'll say this again. I don't think we're seeing the best of the best when we look at sports. There's not an athlete we can't make better or there's not an athlete that couldn't be better if some of this might have been addressed properly. I mean, we're seeing some incredible feats of human performance right now in sport. But boy, oh boy, I don't think we're even close to truly competing at the levels we're going to keep compete at if we start getting understanding of this topic right now. The brain game and the top priorities in human performance 
over the long haul, long-term development. So I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for the new age athletes. I'm excited for the new age performers because what we know now and what technology is allowing us to do now has never, ever been understood. And we've never been able to access, monitor, and train the brain like we can right now. Oh, such a great discussion. Again, thanks to Dr. Morazic. I want to thank you guys for all your comments. Coming up over the next few weeks, it might be one more show. It might be five more shows. But as long as we're digging up new cutting edge information with all of these incredible people, um, we're going to keep talking about the crush brain game. Because frankly, in our world, it's the number one conversation to have right now. We know strength. We know speed. We know power. You want to get stronger. You want to get faster. You want to jump higher. You want to be more powerful. You want to be quicker. We can do that. We know it. Skill acquisition, talent development. We get it. You want to become a better technical athlete at your sport, volleyball, basketball, tennis, golf. It doesn't matter. We know this stuff pretty, pretty well. You know, we're kind of at a biological ceiling is what we're calling it. Going back to a conversation we had with another crush favorite, Dr. John Kolb, when we talked about where are we at in terms of human performance? Well, we're at a biological ceiling. There's not a lot of opportunity left in terms of the physical preparation of our athletes. Now, if you're not doing it right right now, listen to me carefully. If you're not doing it right right now, there's massive opportunity there for you because we know it really well. And that's why you need to seek out a professional in human performance, strength and conditioning, skill acquisitions. That's why we have all these private coaches and all these experts that specialize in this stuff right now. Because if you're not doing it right, oh boy, you've got a lot of potential right there in your grasp. But in terms of the big picture, where does the greatest potential lie for pushing human performance forward? For me, the brain, technology and the brain. And that's what this series is going to be about. Coming up next week, speaking about technology, we're going to talk to one of the founders of what might very well be one of the largest and most powerful technology companies that are allowing us to work with the brain in pretty much every aspect and facet of life. We're going to talk with Lawrence Klein, the co-founder of Thought Technology next week on Crush Performance. We're going to go back to where that company got its start and the steps in the timeline that have brought us to where they are today. They're about to announce the launch of some great, great new programs. We're going to talk to Lawrence about that. We're also going to talk about the technologies that they've developed that are allowing us to really, really push human performance forward by accessing and training the brain. So I hope you guys are in for the long haul here because I don't know. We don't have a schedule for the Crush Brain Game. All I know is it's going to be incredibly interesting and it's going to be guided greatly by your questions, your comments, and your feedback. So again, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, search us out uh, at Jeff Crush on Twitter, Crush Performance on Facebook, Instagram, everywhere else. Answer our polls, get us your questions, and let us know what you think. All right, everybody, that's it for today. So glad you tuned in as we kick this off. Share it with your friends, your family, your teammates, your workmates, uh, because I do believe this is the next big conversation when it comes to human performance, and I'm glad you're part of it. All right, now get out there, go get better, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. Goodbye now. Don't forget to run. 
This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Cam Newton? Nobody wanted Cam Newton? <laughs> Nobody wanted Cam Your guy's better than Cam Newton? Jesus. Cam Newton right now is the MVP of the league almost. And he lost yesterday to a pretty darn good Seahawks team, but put 30 points out there. Edelman had his career high in yardage. Edelman had a career high in yardage after playing with Brady for 88 years. And the man's running for everything. Okay. I try to tell everybody if the guy's healthy, he's a bitch. And he's healthy right now. Unless they wear him out. I mean, the Patriots are going to contend. They, they're going to contend. Their defense let them down a little bit yesterday. But then again, Russell Wilson is a, is a bad man. There's no, there's no doubt about that. In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.